0: It was quite incredible. We couldn't quite believe what was happening in this moment. We were were together with Jesus as we normally were, and we were on a journey. We were with Jesus, following after Jesus. Now, you've got to understand something. We don't normally see rich men running, but there was a a rich man, a young man, who came running up to Jesus. We were like, what on earth is going on here? This is, we don't see this. This is incredible. Jesus, surely, Jesus stops. The man falls to his knees. And he says to Jesus, good teacher. Now, the thing that is really fascinating that happens next is that this man asked a question that I'd never heard anybody ask Jesus before. He said, What? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Oh. Now, we were, we were on tender hooks because this, this was like the point. This was what was all going on and we were like, Jesus, are you going to tell him? Are you going to give him the answer? And Jesus goes, why did you call me good? God alone is good. It's a little bit confusing. The man looked a little bit puzzled. Jesus goes on to say, well, all you must do is is do this, this, and this. He reels off five commandments all to do with relationships. And the young man, you can see his face. He's like, Jesus, I've done all of that. Full of confidence. (laughs) And then just in the only way that Jesus can do it he lands a sucker punch. Boom! You can see the young man's blood drain from his face. Because this is not just any young man. He's a property owner. He has a massive portfolio of property. He is immensely rich. So the young man with confidence says, Jesus, I've done all of that since I was young. Because I'm a good Jewish boy, Jesus. I'm a really good boy. I handle my property really well. I don't defraud anybody of anything. I am super, super good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jesus says, there's one thing you lack though, my, my friend. Take all of that, sell it, and give it to the poor. And then come and follow me, Jesus said. Wow. Well, we knew what it was like to hear the call of Jesus to come and follow. What was this young man going to do? We, we didn't know. But we could tell by his reaction that something wasn't quite right with him. Sell all of my property and come and follow you, Jesus, and then inherit eternal life. Was Jesus now somehow talking about faith and works and, and, and uh, trying to earn something? No. he was. The only way that Jesus ever operated was to get to the heart of somebody. This young man, he walked away. We couldn't quite believe that, to be honest. It's a bit of a staggering moment. It was astounding. We were absolutely astonished in this moment. Because, one, we'd never heard this question before. Jesus, the way that Jesus operates is just immense. But we're also considering then who can be saved? What is the cost? What is the requirement? As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, teacher, interestingly, in this moment, I want you to observe something. First time he approaches Jesus, says, good teacher. Now, nobody said good teacher. In fact, nobody was really referred to as good because there was only one that was good. And so the Jews would be really careful about using that word good because they didn't want to somehow blaspheme the name of God. So good teacher. Now, what's going on in this moment? Is it, is it flattery? Is it an awareness of who Jesus is? We, we don't know, but Jesus is kind of drilled down to something in this young man's heart. And so therefore he asked that question, why do you call me good? Do you really realize what you're about to say? Do you really realize what you are saying when you're calling me good? He then goes on, gives those commandments and then he said to him, teacher, drops the good. Because is, is there a, a, a provocation of his heart that is beginning to erupt? they going, actually, I'm, I'm, I, 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 Jesus, are you really who you say you are? Jesus looked at him. Listen to these words. And I think this gives you an indication of the kind of man that was before Jesus. Some would say that he's, he's a hypocrite and he's trying to, trying to flatter Jesus. I, I think he was genuinely searching after God. I, just didn't think, I don't think he was expecting the answer that Jesus gave him. Jesus looked at him, Jesus loved him, and said. See, the reason that Jesus responded in the way that he responded to the young man, not because he wanted to test him or trick him, or, or, uh, but because he loved him. That, that instruction was birthed out of the love for this young man who was genuinely, I, I think he was genuine in his expression. God, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Because I've done all of that, but there's still something missing. Got all of this, Jesus, but there's still something missing in the the receipt of eternal life. So he's, I think he's just genuinely seeking after God. I think he's a young man who's longing for life and purpose outside of the wealth, but is he willing to pay the price? Well, we'll come to that in a moment. You lack one thing, Jesus said, go sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Give to the poor, not give it to me. So in the world of TV and all of that that's gone on in the last 20, 30, 40 years, give all you have and give it to me. Jesus never said that. So don't get caught with any of that rubbish of prosperity gospel preachers who say, give it away, but give it to me. Jesus said, give all you have, and give it to the poor, sell it all, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But he was dismayed by his demands, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. We're going to pause there, and we're going to go into the next few verses in a moment, because it's going to help us to understand a, a contrast between the rich young ruler and the call of discipleship. Because every encounter with Jesus always leads us to make a, a choice, make a decision. We cannot encounter Jesus and not have a response to Jesus. The response is either, Jesus, I'm going to come and follow you, I'm going to give it all, I'm going to lay it all down, or Jesus, that's too costly a price, I can't quite get my head around it, so thanks very much, dude, I'm, I'm going this way. Always demands a response. Every encounter with Jesus will always demand a response from our hearts. And so... This young man was a good young man. He was a, he was, he was, if, in fact, if, if one of my daughters, don't tell them this, but if one of my daughters brought a young man home like this, <laughs> I'd be really happy. Except from the denial of Jesus bit. Because he was a really good guy. You know, honorable, upright, moral, good lad. The fact that he had a lot of money was probably helpful. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I'm joking, joke. Um so So he's a, he's a good guy. But Jesus is getting to the heart of what really is the issue and the hindrance of him entering the kingdom of God. See, because it doesn't matter if he'd kept all of the law, he fell short of one. Because the g- biggest idol for this young man was his wealth and his possessions, and he couldn't get over it. The things that held on to him. See, possessions are not bad, but if possessions have a hold of you, that's when it becomes a problem. Do you have possessions, or do possessions have a hold of you? For this young man, possessions had a hold of him. So in fact, he may have kept those five commandments that Jesus reeled off, but in the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and have no other God but me, he fell miserably short. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't recognize it. He wouldn't slay that idol. Now, interestingly, I'm not going to tell you this morning that you need to go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor because that's not the point of the story. But what's the one thing that stops the people in your world entering the kingdom of heaven? You see, because this is about a seeker, For many of you this morning, you're not seekers, you're followers of Jesus and we'll get to you in a minute. But if this morning you're a seeker, you're somebody who's pursuing the things of God, what's the one thing? What's the one thing that's going to stop you inheriting eternal life both now and in the age to come? Because eternal life isn't just that, Jesus, I believe in who you say that you are, and therefore I'm going to wait until I get to heaven before things change. Jesus said, if you want to inherit your, uh, eternal life, young man, don't wait until your deathbed to hand, hand over your possessions. Get rid of it now and enter into eternal life. So the, the response of salvation, the response of the call of Jesus is say, what's the one thing that's going to hinder me from stepping in to life? Think, just a pause for a moment. Think about the people in your lives. Maybe your work colleagues, it may be your family, it may be your neighbors, whoever it is that's in your life that isn't a follower of Jesus, maybe they're seeking. Maybe they've been asking some questions. Maybe, maybe just like Jesus, you need to, maybe we should be praying, God, what's the one thing that's a hindrance to this person entering the kingdom of heaven? Because no doubt, they've all got some good qualities. No doubt, they'd all say they're really nice people. I've got some, I've got some great, I've got some friends. Great friends. And they're, they're nice, most of them. but You've got some great qualities, some generous people, really kind-natured. They're lovely. But there's something that stops them entering the kingdom of heaven. What is that one thing? So, in our in our desire to see people that enter the kingdom of heaven, it might just be one thing. Now, the thing about that one thing is that not everybody's going to go, except Jesus, I'm, I'm in. Because some of them will look at the cost and go, I can't see it. I can't see that it's worth it. Jesus, it's going to cost me too much to follow you and they'll walk away. It's Painful, isn't it? painful when people choose to walk away from the most precious thing because they can't see that that which is 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 available in Jesus in the here and the now and that which is to come is of infinitely more value than that which we hold on to in the here and the now we think that giving up um our lives for Jesus is is sometimes a cost too hard to pay or too big to pay and That's the truth for many people that you and I are longing to see enter the kingdom of heaven. But you know there will be people who, in your conversations, as you're praying for them and you're interceding for them, you're, you're, you know you're, you're just going, "Lord, would you give me the, give me insight? What's the one thing, Jesus, that's stopping them? What's the one thing?" Because Jesus doesn't look at the external. Because if he would looked at the external of this young man, he said, "You're brilliant. Yeah, come on in." Gets to the heart of the issue. You see, we, we are not Jesus, yet I we believe that the Holy Spirit can reveal things in a way, not so we can go, I know what you're doing, but so that we may pray intelligently and that we may intercede for them in, 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 with, with, uh, with all that we are so that a breakthrough might come and that God would do something in their hearts that only God can do. We'll get to that in a moment. Only God can do some of this stuff. Only God can bring salvation. Only God can bring great breakthrough. But we can pray intelligently, speak intelligently, and speak kindly. Jesus looked intently at the man. Have you ever been in a room with somebody, and you just look at you, and just think, they know exactly what's going on in my heart. <laughs> have you? The reality is, they probably don't. But this would have been Jesus. He looked at the guy and went, boom. <laughs> know what it is. Jesus didn't wield it as a stick. He didn't seek to batter that thing around his head. And so often, there's been so much abuse of power in the spiritual gifts. It's just horrific. It, it makes me sick. Because actually, all the spiritual gifts are given to build up, to encourage, to lead people to Jesus so that we might become more like him. That's why some people are frightened off because it just, it's, it seems like power games, power trips. It's just not the point. He gives, us, he gives us a heart after him so that we may love, them, love people like he loved them. Because he loved this man. He looked at him with great compassion. Do we have the same compassion for the people that are in our lives? I, I hope so. So this man's a seeker. People in our lives who are seeking after God, let's help them to see the thing that's a hindrance and lead them to Jesus the one who can break them free. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's true, isn't it? It's true. It's really hard. You know, I'm on my way home today, I'm going I'm to drive down Tiddington Road. Everybody know Tiddington Road? Yeah? yeah? My goodness me. I mean, it'd be a workout on my bike trying to get to the front door from the drives <laughs> of some of them. It's, they're massive. Like, they're just huge. Like The houses are massive. The cars are massive. And, and honestly, there's some points, I have to just go, Lord, please don't let me cover. <laughs> I can't cover, please, Lord. Keep my heart pure. Keep my heart right. Because, that, I mean, some of them are spectacular. But then I go into my estate right in Tiddington and there are some, some nice houses and, I look, at, and I, I look at my house and go do you know what it's not bad it's nice not massive but it's nice now the thing is I'm glad that Jesus had my heart before I had the stuff because now I can hold the stuff lightly that's why we love having people around because it's not my home it is my home. But it's, it's the home that belongs to the kingdom. So the, the thing is, like, possessions, they either have us or they don't. Now, the thing about where we live, um, there are lots of people with lots of wealth, and there are people that don't have much. It's great polarity. The thing for us as the as people of God is to, is, to, is to not exclude the rich and not to deny the poor, but to use what we have to reach all. Because all that we have is his. So the challenge of the rich reaching the rich is that they like, they like the, young, the rich young ruler think they've got everything. They've got no need for him. Whereas those that have very little, those that have nothing, or had everything taken away, actually, I've come to find it's much easier for people to enter the kingdom of heaven who have little, because where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life, Jesus. The thing is, following Jesus isn't about whether we then enter into an abundance of possessions. It's actually about the abundance of life. So whether we have loads or little, it doesn't really matter because what we use, we use for the glory of God. But the challenge is, how do we reach people? Always the challenge of how we reach people. Um, The disciples were astonished at his words. Again, Jesus said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. When Jesus says something twice, we take note. See, now it drops the rich. It's just how hard is it, it is to enter the kingdom of God. I've not noticed that until I've just read it. It's not, actually, sometimes it's just challenge because we've all got stuff we hold on to. We've all got one thing. Some things are easier to get rid of than others. But what's the one thing? as a disciple of Jesus this morning, that Jesus is calling you to lay down? What's the one thing that's hindering you fully, you and me, by the way, this isn't just me preaching at you, this is me preaching at me. What is the one thing that's hindering us from stepping into the fullness, the reality of the kingdom of God at work in us? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. I'd love to have seen Jesus' face as he said this. Because some people say it's about this, this little gate in, in the wall in Jerusalem, but actually that was done much, much later. Uh, this, this is hyperbole. Jesus, I can just imagine the glint in his eye as he says, it's much easier. And the disciples say, Whoa. <laughs> They were even more astonished, saying to one another, who then can be saved? The point? No one except God, by God. No one says, looking at them, he said, with man, it is impossible. But with God, because, uh, um, but, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. So our own effort, the young man said, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Nothing. Put your faith in Jesus, hope in Jesus, life in Jesus, and then come and follow me. You see, sometimes we stop at that belief as an intellectual exercise of, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God who who loves me and gave his life for me, rose again victorious so that I might have eternal life. We believe it theologically and intellectually, but the belief of Scripture doesn't stop with the intellect. To believe means to act and to follow. So when, he, when Jesus says, sell everything you have and follow me, it was a, a, a combined action of belief. Jesus, I believe you enough to sell all of this, although he didn't, and follow, follow me. The disciples now, come on, let's go into these, these verses. Uh, Peter began to tell him, look Lord, we've left everything and followed you. The disciples had paid a, paid a price. Now, Actually, the disciples who were following Jesus weren't necessarily poor. They were businessmen. They were tax collectors. They, they, they had some resources. Peter saying, look, whether Peter's like bragging, Jesus, look, we've, we've left everything to follow you. Or whether he's just Jesus, well, we've given everything to follow you. Look at what we've done. The motivation of the heart. What's the reward, Jesus? I, the, the problem sometimes in our hearts is, Jesus, I've given everything to you. What are you going to do for me? It's like eternal life. See, the motivation of our heart is crucial. And I wonder whether Peter in expressing this was was expecting some kind of like, (laughs) pat on the back, well done, Pete. Good lad. Done everything. Everything, You've done everything to follow me. Well done. Jesus says, "Uh, truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brother." Or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the kingdom uh, for the sorry for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time houses brothers sisters mothers children fields at, with persecutions i love it how jesus just <laughs> whacks that in there <laughs> right? so you get all of that and this what's that all about because they See, Peter, Peter had a home. It was the base of Jesus' operations. The, deci- the, te- the New Testament, uh, sorry, in Acts, the disciples had homes and they shared them freely. What the young man couldn't understand is that he operated in a really small world. Everything that he had was his and therefore he sought to protect it. Small world. What well, Jesus says, if you give everything to follow me, your world expands beyond imagination. Because you see your brother's house, that becomes yours. Do you see your brother's lawnmower? Well, if you need it, you can borrow it. Wheelbarrows, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's that sense of exp- like just getting... When you come into the kingdom, your world suddenly expands. Explodes with opportunities and potential because people then become your brothers and sisters scattered across the globe, multiplied way over beyond your own little small world that you try to keep and protect. The beautiful thing is when you give your life over to Jesus, you give everything over to Jesus, He multiplies it way beyond anything you can begin to imagine or dream. But it doesn't become yours not yours to hoard and to keep. He just expands the heart in such a way that goes, Alan's my brother, John's my brother, Meg, you're my sister in Christ. It's that sense of we are part and parcel of something so much bigger. Therefore, the cost is not too big to pay because actually it's about stepping into life. It is costly because it will challenge every, th- every selfish part of our hearts that says, this is mine, and I control this, and I own this, and this is my little domain. Challenges the idol of possessions, and power, and wealth, and whatever that might look like for us. Obedience and the resulting life is far better than Sacrifice. Jesus was calling the disciples in this moment to a life of obedience, a life to follow him, a life to lay everything down for him. And in so doing, they would receive the fullness of life. So the question I have for us today, is there anything that is hindering you stepping in to receive the fullness of life? Entering into an extended family that isn't just tied to OCC, but is actually way bigger than that. You get united with every person who's a follower of Christ, who is in the kingdom of God. You get get access to all areas. Now, it doesn't mean to say, by the way, you can just come and let yourself in at 6 o'clock in the morning. I would expect a little phone call or a tap, but it does mean that if you need help at 6 o'clock in the morning, you've got to reach out. does mean that you need, if, if we are part of family, by the way, my number is ex-directory. <laughs> um, no. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And so we enter into this kind of life. Now, if you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, you may not be in the same position as a rich young ruler, but the question still remains in your heart, what is the one thing that's hindering you from stepping into that kind of life? Is it family? Jesus says, Well, if you step into life, expansive family. There are people in overseas and people I've talked to that have family have denied them for following Jesus, and yet they've been embraced by a family, a global family who love them and they're part of something special and significant. For some of us, that might be true. Some of, some your family might reject you if you choose to follow Jesus, but look around. Look around. Is it, is it something else? Is it, is it the love of money? Is it, is it whatever it might be? You fill in the gap. The question remains. What's the one thing that Jesus is asking of you today? Someone asked me this week, um, I was in a conversation with them, what's, what's the cost? What's the cost for you, Ian? And I reeled off some clever answer that I thought. And he simply said, well, actually, the the cost is this. To do whatever he tells you, do it whenever he tells you, and go wherever he tells you. That's the cost. That's the cost of following Jesus, is to live a life of obedience that opens up to a life that we could never begin to imagine outside of Jesus, because it's full of life. He is life itself. And if we want to experience life, the life the way it was intended, and give everything to follow Jesus. Can I just ask you if you just close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment? Jesus, I thank you for your, your word to us. I thank you for these encounters in the scriptures that speak so powerfully, not just to the day, not just to the people who encountered you, but they speak into the heart and condition, the heart conditions of, of humanity right here and now. Jesus, I'd ask that by your spirit, as we, as we just take this moment to pause and to reflect, to pray, that you would be highlighting in our hearts maybe the, the one thing that is a hindrance to us. Stepping into life. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus this morning. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, I don't get it all. don't understand it all. But I understand that you're inviting me to life. I understand that you are life and that you're... There's something happens, Jesus, when I'm in your presence. Maybe that's you this morning. If it is, I'm just going to ask that you would just give a, me, a, just show me your hand. If you want to respond to Jesus and, and just make an intentional decision to pursue him a little bit more, to discover him some more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, for those this morning that have responded to you and said, Jesus, I'm drawn to you. I pray that you take residence in their lives. Jesus, I pray that you bring freedom. they offer that one thing to you right now. That act of obedience, Jesus, that your life would pour into theirs. That you'd be transforming and cleaning and healing their innermost parts. That would be a sense of of freedom. Just freedom. Freedom to love him. Freedom to follow. Freedom from the things that have held you. And as you look to Jesus, lift your eyes and lift your head and know that he forgives you. Know that he liberates you. And know that when he looks at you, because he does, he gazes upon you. Know that he loves you. He looks at you with an intensity of love that, like you've never been loved before. filled with compassion and mercy and grace. And a response to Jesus is the gateway to life, to walk in His love and His grace. So Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters, that they may know the power of Your grace at work in them, beckoning them to follow You, May they be embraced into family like never before. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.